Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The following interview talks about suicide. For those who may be triggered by this topic, you may not want to listen. Sue Glover lost her son David to suicide. Teresa Rickerby lost a nephew. Out of the deep pain, the two joined together to create Tattoos for Trauma. It was a way of honoring him, and it was a way to help others. In this interview, you will hear the tragic story of loss become transformed into a family-oriented community event to raise money for the Northumberland Warming Room. It is a moving story. I'm really glad to have with me today Sue Glover and Teresa Rickerby, co-founders of Tattoos for Trauma. Welcome to you both to consider this Northumberland. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Let's get really basic to start. What is Tattoos for Trauma? Sue, let's start with you. Um, Tattoos for Trauma is a men's mental health fundraiser started by myself and my sister to honor my son, David, who we lost to suicide in August of 2020. Teresa, can you give us a little bit more to the story of how it started? Sure. Um, After we lost David, obviously, it took a really long time um, to be functional. and. One of, we had a special moment at Sue and Dave's home, actually, around the kitchen table, or just a, a month and a half, maybe four to six weeks after David passed. David's very best friend, almost like his brother Robin, who's a tattoo artist, came over to Sue and Dave's house, and he had drawn a beautiful um, likeness of David, his face, his shape of his face with his tattoos. And he tattooed Sue and Dave with that very special memorial tattoo at the kitchen table. And he tattooed myself with a heartogram, which was a symbol that was really important to David. And that was a really profound and emotional experience for all of us, I think, that evening. Um, it was David's dad's very first tattoo. And um, his last. Yeah, and his last. And yeah, we talked about it then. Um, that evening that Tattoos for Trauma was really born that night, but it did take a few years, right, Sue, to be able to... um... Two years later on a July morning, Teresa and I were talking and said, you know, Teresa said to me, I know this is hard, but if we're going to do this, we have to do it. And I said, you're absolutely right. And, And we launched. Um, it, it was hard. It, uh, two years didn't feel like enough, but it also felt right. So that was in 2022. In July, like Sue said, we decided that we wanted to actually take our thoughts and our, what we had wanted, how we had wanted to honor David and actually put it into action. So we um, 
in two months, uh, we pulled together the very first tattoos for trauma event. I, I still don't know how. <laughs> Can you just elaborate a little bit more on the significance of tattoos? There could have been so many things you chose to do as a fundraiser to, to honor David. What was it about tattoos that makes this so special for both of you? I'll, I'll start back with Sue again. Um, well, for me as David's mother, David had a lot of tattoos. And um, the more difficult David's life became, the more prominent and visible David's tattoos became. Um, and it was um, a struggle for me because I could see that his tattoos were a, a reflection of pain, but I was unable to find out what I could not figure out what the source of that pain was. And um, when David, um, when David took his own life, and we sat at that kitchen table with that picture, I for first of all, for the first time, really understood what David's tattoos meant to him. Um, it was a profound moment for me. Um, I understood the link between tattoos and trauma and the story they tell, be it one of rebirth, be it one of pain. Um, tattoos are living art and tell people's story. And I um, realized that the connection between tattoos and trauma was real. And for us, that was how the name and how the entire idea was born. Teresa, what was the significance of David's tattoos to you? Well, for us, um, I was David's aunt, so I had a bit of a different perspective re in regards to his tattooing than like his parents might, right? I'm, I'm a little bit more removed in that way. And um, I always um, love David's creativity and uh, his art uh, and with his tattooing. Um, I wanted to mark myself with something that he had on his body um, just as a way of staying even more connected with him. Um, my children also got a tattoo, uh, my two oldest. So Dylan, my son, got David's uh, a copy uh, of David's very first tattoo. And my daughter also got a, a tattoo uh, that David had as well. And it's just a way for us to permanently connect ourselves with him in that way and share in his creative process too. Yeah. Is it fair to assume that both of you have had tattoos before this, or did you just start getting tattoos since you began this project? Uh, Sue, how about you? Um, I actually uh, used to um, have a big corporate job and in my 30s, I quit my big corporate job and I moved to this lovely town called Coburg and opened up the human being. And to signify that big change in choice in my life, um, I had my first and only tattoo. And it was a very small little tattoo on the inside of my left ankle. I've always liked tattoos. I never actually had a big problem with them. I, they're art, and I appreciate that. But certainly, they've taken on a bit of a different role in my life now than they did then. And I bear a few more now than I did uh, when we started. Risa, how about you? Um, I actually did. I do have 
before this, I had one large tattoo, actually. I did a cover up of a small one from my 20s and ended up with a half my back and a shoulder done. So <laughs> the biggest <laughs> cover up ever. Um, but now, yes, now since David's passing, I have my heartogram and then I got two tattoos last year uh, at the Tattoos for Trauma event. Risa, why is men's mental health so important an issue in our community? Well, Rob, we know that um, mental health resources are limited for people in general, but specifically for men. 75% um, of all suicides in Canada are completed by men. There is a, an overwhelming stigma around men and mental health and the ability to talk about uh, deep emotional um, trauma and even just acknowledging that for men we have you know it's 2023 but we're still trying to get past that whole man up kind of um, stigma that we're fighting against and we see it here in our own community with those that are struggling and they're predominantly men um, that we're seeing that are struggling. Sue, you mentioned in your press release that it is a need for street level support. Can you explain what you mean by that street level support? Yeah, we're talking about meeting the immediate needs of people in crisis um, in a real and everyday kind of way. You know, food, shelter, um, basic resources to provide a person with uh, a restart. Um, you know, it's it's um, wonderful to talk about going to rehab, for instance, or or registering for a program. But what happens to a person between the point where they recognize the need for support and are actually able to access it? And that's the gap we're looking to fill. It was really interesting. Some of the terminology you used uh, respite for those most in need. What? What does that mean as well when you talk about respite? We don't, I, you know, we don't always think of that for people in these situations. Can you help us? Yeah, respite is really overcoming challenge and meeting needs in times of challenge. And you're right, Rob, like we hear about respite for seniors. We hear about respite for maybe people with developmental difficulties, um, but we don't think of respite when it comes to maybe people experiencing homelessness or people experiencing mental health um, crisis. So, I mean, respite is just a word um, that applies to so many different people, but we, we just sort of categorized it. Um, the, most often when we look at those who, who are in need in our community, um, they are struggling with homelessness right now. That's very visible for our community. Uh, there are, many are struggling with addictions um, and of course, mental health um, crisis. And almost all of that um, relates back to trauma. You are raising money for the Northumberland Warming Hub. Can you tell us a bit about why you picked this organization to raise money for? Sue, could you help us? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the, the idea that we want to provide street level support. And certainly when we look out to our community right now, um, you know, housing first, the, the need is pretty glaring and pretty obvious. Um, people need shelter and people need respectful shelter that provides, truly provides the basic needs. And that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to support the county with a warming hub in ensuring that the hours maybe get extended, that there's a food program program and depending how much money we raise, maybe even a laundry program, the truly basic essentials of life. 
Teresa, I know you have firsthand experience with warming rooms, and maybe you could talk a little bit about why you think it's significant to pick the Northumberland warming room. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, last year I was fortunate. I, I did volunteer at the community-powered warming room and then again at the one that was run um, by Transition House in partnership um, with the county. And one of the reasons Sue and I discussed and chose, because we really thought long and hard about where do we want our money to go this year? We knew we wanted it to have impact this fall. And finding a program where you can actually see a difference and make a difference in the immediate is very hard, as you know, when you're working with government or you're working with programming. So also we felt that the county sometimes gets the short end of the stick. You know, like people, there's a lot of finger pointing. They're like, hey, it should be this, it should be that. You need to do more. Um, and we really wanted to bridge that gap. And as a community organization, we met, went and we met with social services. They're great people. Um, they really care. They understand the need. Um, and having this conversation, like starting a conversation and getting a program in place in June, we're so grateful for that because that's a huge step forward this year. So Sue and I felt very strongly about the need to have something make a difference with the money immediately. And that's why we went to the Northumberland Warming Hub because first of all, they need support. Two, they're the ones that are providing the essential service, guaranteed. Guaranteed, it's going to happen. So we know that our money can go there. And again, like Sue said, the hopes are that we can help expand resources, expand length of service. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's important to us um, that there be a level of community volunteer engagement at the Warming Hub because that was something that I experienced. And Sue and Dave both volunteered at the Warming Hub last year as well, or at, sorry, at the Community Powered Warming Room, um, was that the importance of community connection and the volunteer piece. So we're really hoping for that as well this year. Um, and Community Connection, Rob, when dealing with trauma, when dealing with addictions and dealing with any of these um, struggles that people have, research shows it, data shows it, all of the professionals and all of the experts in the fields of mental health, homelessness and addiction, they will all tell you the same thing. Community connection is key to first steps towards wellness. This is also groundbreaking on another level. The county does accept donations for everything from programs like the Golden Plow Lodge to Food for All program. However, they confirmed that this partnership uh, is unique because they, they haven't even added this to their list of donations on their website. It's truly something that's unique. What, Sue, what's your reaction when you find out that you've actually breaking ground in this case? Well, I'd like to be surprised, Rob. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is that uh, that really makes me feel good. I actually was unaware of that. It, it's a bit surprising, actually, that the warming room was not um, registered as, as uh, something one could make a donation to. And certainly, I think it speaks again to what Teresa said about bridging gaps. Um, we all have to come together if this is going, if we're going to come up with solutions that truly make a difference in people's lives, we all have to come together. This isn't about finger pointing and it's not about who's to blame, it's about community and that includes Northumberland County, right? But yeah, I got to admit, I am truly surprised by that, Rob. Teresa, 
Do you get any say in how the money's going to be used other than to run the operation? No, we don't. So, and we recognize that. And that was, we were very, it was made clear to us and we appreciate and acknowledge that. So we are raising the funds and we have a lot of faith in the organization and, and during our meetings, which were extensive and we had great open conversations that we're on the same page. You know, we, they, the county wants the same things that we're looking for. And that really is to expand resources, provide people with as much as we can offer in terms of rest, um, opportunities to reach out to community resources, nutrition, uh, nurturing environment. They want that too. So yeah. that's why we decided we're going to work together and let's move forward in that direction. I'm sure the listeners would like to learn a little bit more about David since he's seminal to this project. What can you share about his life? David, Sue and Dave's only son. They're a family of three and very, which is why last year we had a triangle tattoo because it's the strongest shape. It's an important, it's also the number three number and it's, it's very important to them. So they're a very close family. Um, David, was a creative kid, um, a wonderful kid with lots of good friends. He experimented with drugs like a lot of teens do in his early teenage years. Um, and, you know, moved out, moved away to the city and was doing well. And um, then, you know, he did start to have some, some struggles with anxiety and, and depression um and with drug use and you know addiction takes a hold of your life uh when and sue and dave were just incredibly supportive parents and i i think that's really important to note because i feel like sometimes people think like when they see kids struggling they think oh they don't have anyone at home who loves them or they don't have access to this or that david always had a place to go um and he had a family that loved him very much and but the shame sometimes I think that comes with people who are struggling is, is hard for is hard for kids to overcome. So David also was an advocate for those most in need. He was such a deep thinker. He was so intelligent. Um, he was a huge movie buff and music fan, very creative. He had a fabulous voice and was making music as well. Strong network of friends too in the city. Again, a lot of creative folk. Um, and yeah, it just during COVID, I mean, that was a really dark time in he saw the city shut down. And I think there was a real sense of hopelessness there for him. He was experiencing housing insecurity. He didn't know where he was going to be living. Um, and, you know, David ended his own story. He made a decision. He had he was very clear-minded. We believe at the time there was no drugs in his system. There was no alcohol, um, nothing. And it's just so tragic. Um, and that's why it's so important for us to honor him because he was truly a bright light. And he had a lot of friends that also feel the way that he did. And there's a lot of young people out there. So yeah, as David's mom, I mean, um, I, I had a little boy who was um, a bit insecure and a seemingly everyday little guy. And when he was in high school, he started drinking and alcohol was David's um, 
first addiction was alcohol. And that started in the teenage years with drinking with his friends. And it simply progressed. Um, as David was living in the city and living um, life more on the edge, um, we were connected at all times. I drove into city Toronto in a whirlwind of worry many a time in record breaking time, I assure you. Um, we spent a lot of time together and I could never understand what was going on with David. I couldn't understand what was wrong. And it's not like we weren't conversing about it. What's wrong? What's going on? Talk to me. I was looking at every possible angle for how he wasn't feeling okay with himself. And I could never find um, sort of the linchpin, what was going on. And about a month before, when David was home visiting a month before he took his own life, he finally came out to me that he had been sexually abused as a child and further had experienced a violent rape as an adult. Um, obviously, as a parent, I was completely and utterly devastated. And I myself actually am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. So this was in fact my worst nightmare, literally my worst nightmare and something I had been quite vigilant about actually as a parent, unfortunately, as a result of my own trauma. The fact that David was never able to come to me with that um, was really difficult for me. But interestingly, as a survivor myself, I understood why David couldn't come to me with that. I understood the deep level of darkness and shame. And needless to say, I immediately launched into trying to find support for him because I realized the crisis was way bigger than I had ever even imagined. Um, and that's when I realized that there basically was no help for a sexually abused man and particularly an adult. Um, there was nobody willing to even allow him to walk in the door of the facility because men are abusers, not victims. And I mean, I was desperate. I, I was calling that TV show intervention. Like I, I was, I was crazed. Unfortunately, um, David was not open to pursuing anything with me in that moment. It was Mad Max in downtown Toronto, literally. Encampments were being torn up. David was housed at the time, but was in an insecure housing situation. He was um, now addicted to drugs and he knew it. And he was full of pride and full of a whole bunch of things and not one of them was hope in that moment. And as Teresa said, he did choose to take his own life completely stone cold sober um, and broke the heart of our entire family. And we decided and we knew um, as soon as this happened that we were going to do something to make a difference and something to carry David's light forward and help other people. And also um, to help other parents and family members who are dealing quietly behind closed doors with the exact same deep depths of stress, anxiety, grief, and love for their child in crisis. So 
Tattoos for Trauma was born of this. And I started as well um, a Better Together support group for parents of teenagers and adult children in crisis. Um, because not doing that alone is so important and making sure there's community for people trying to support the people they love and access resources is so important. And so here I am today telling this story and I sure wish I wasn't. All right, we're gonna shift gears. So if I'm a listener and I wanna participate in this, how do I do that? Teresa, maybe we'll go with you. All right, thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, we're really excited. There's a few different ways you can participate. So first of all, we encourage everyone to follow along at Tattoos for the number four, Tattoos for Trauma on both Instagram and Facebook. There's a Facebook event created as well as a nice reminder to save the date. Um, people can participate by booking an appointment to get one of our nine tattoos that all come with significance. Uh, there is going to be a wonderful barbecue happening on site, um, as well as an awesome prize table, fantastic prizes already coming forward from the community. Uh, people, we all have temporary tattoos for people who don't want something permanent um, or for the kids. It's a family-friendly event. We do encourage all ages to, to come and join us. It's also a safe space of shared experience. And that's really important for people to realize and understand. Um, and then we have people who want to make a donation just because they want to support the cause. And tattoos, F-O-R, trauma, 1991 at gmail.com is the email. And you can make a donation there. And then we have a ton of sponsorship opportunities as well. I was going to say is I'm super excited about the resources. Yes. So for instance, being able to bring Gatehouse from Toronto, um, which is an, the longest standing organization supporting survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And they have full and comprehensive programs for men as well. And those programs are offered in Toronto or via Zoom. Um, I myself have gone through their entire three-stage program. It's absolutely wonderful. And um, it was just really important to me to find resources for men and boys in our community. And the executive director will be joining us at the event. And we've got all kinds of wonderful resources that are going to be on site for um, people experiencing crisis and their families. Um, wonderful supports for children, for um, men in crisis, like I said, Gatehouse. And the other one was uh, a local guy who's running a charity for men as well whose name I cannot remember. Ryan Huffman. Upturn. Yeah. The Upturn program, for example. Now, if I go to your Facebook page or any of the resources that you guys have shared with me today, I would notice that this isn't going to take place until September. Why are we talking now about this? Is there a date coming up that's significant now? Well, we're talking now because we sold out last year, Rob, and obviously you can understand it's a big undertaking. So, and time goes by quickly. So we don't want to wait to the last minute. We're opening tattoo bookings on July 15th. We do expect to sell out. We are going to be booking 150 tattoos um, for this year's event. We are working with eight artists. Um, 
Seven of them are local. We do have an artist coming in from Kitchener uh, uh, who wants to support the event. Um, and we're talking about it now because we need to be talking. We should be talking about it every day um, and raising awareness. The, the core values of Tattoos for Trauma is to raise awareness, build community, and provide support. Uh, and in order to do that, we've got to get the message out, which is why we're so grateful to you for doing this interview with us um, so we can share the message and try to get as many people as possible to join us that day. Both of you are advocates in the community and are vocal on a range of issues. Where does Tattoos for Trauma sit within the overarching context of your advocacy? Teresa, I'll start with you. Well, yes, I am definitely a community advocate and feel very strongly about um, humanity and community here in Coburg. Tattoos for Trauma is a separate event, although we can't acknowledge trauma without acknowledging all of the other pieces around it in terms of like the advocacy I personally have been doing recently is around harm reduction, homelessness, uh, and again, mental health and community support. Um, does Tattoos for Trauma support a housing first strategy? I would say yes. And Sue, I would do you agree with that. Yeah. Do we support more education um, and access to harm reduction? Again, I would say yes, because uh, it show research shows it works. We're trying to reduce harms, whether those be mental health harms, um, you know, harms due to uh, mental health issues, harms due to uh, lack of housing, harms due to addiction, um, you know, suicide prevention, suicide awareness. These all go hand in hand, Rob. We can't talk about one without the other. So, yeah. and... Uh, and although Tattoos for Trauma is a standalone event, we do acknowledge and honor all of the good work being done in the community. Um, and you'll see that in our resources as well. You see the people that are gonna be showing up um, at the day of the event. Uh, we have uh, Cobra Counseling, for instance, they were there last year, they'll be back again, huge supporters. We've got uh, Northumberland uh, Q&A, the Queers and Allies representing in uh, the LGBTQ two-spirited community. We are hoping to have um, our friends from Alderville join us, you know, to, to make that Indigenous connection so important. Um, we have, like Sue was saying, uh, Ryan Huffman in the Upturn program. Here's a, a local guy talking about his struggles with addiction, uh, suicide, mental health, and making a difference. And so we're really excited to have him join us as well. Uh, we will have Greenwood, of course. They're instrumental in doing good work in the community. We'll have Mom Stop the Harm will be there as well. Again, another mother-based national organization, much like Mothers Against Driving. Right. And people, yeah, mo yeah, mothers against driving. We're comfortable with that. But because mother moms stop the harm, um, they're calling for some really progressive change. And these are mothers who've lost their kids. And, you know, I honor them for the work they're doing. Uh, yeah. The housing first piece can't be denied. I mean, you cannot recover from anything physically, emotionally, or yeah. financially without a home, without a roof over your head, and that stability. And the expectation's not realistic. And political advocacy is sort of inevitable if you care about the things that we do. And and certainly when you look out right now, you're you're concerned about healthcare funding and 
and a whole bunch of issues. And that plays directly in to what we're talking about. We need, we need resources, we need homes and we need resources. I'd like to talk for just a moment about the organization itself. Is it just the two of you or is, how, how are you guys organized uh, Tattoos for Trauma? We are a two woman machine. All right. And are you a registered charity? In other words, do you issue tax receipts for any of this? No, we are simply a special event that a fundraising event that raises money for a another charity or organization. So oh. to speak. Oh, I was just going to say to speak to the ability to get a receipt or uh, so we do work with charitable organizations like Sue was saying um, last year Greenwood Coalition was able to um, provide receipts for our larger sponsors and anyone who really wanted them through their organization. We have also have an agreement with the uh, Northumberland County and uh, they do have a third party fundraising um, protocol so we are able to provide receipts through the county. So. Everything is um, very closely monitored. Um, we operate tattoos for trauma with an incredible amount of integrity um, and transparency. Yeah. Do any of the tattoo artists get paid or is this entire thing volunteer? The tattoo artists give of their time and their energy and their skill. They're amazing. And I'd love to do a shout out to all of them, uh, especially Lucifer Inc. here in Coburg. Last year, uh, Jennifer Mancini of Lucifer Inc. She jumped in with both feet, brought her entire team on board, um, secured Mithra Manufacturing and FYT Tattoo Supplies out of Toronto. And they're a major sponsor for us and they, they provide all of the tattooing supplies. And it's a very emotional day, Rob, and it's hard on the tattoo artists. That's a lot of people to tattoo in one day. Um, so we would like to do a shout out to Jennifer Mancini of Lucifer Inc., uh, Robin Kapouris of Trash Tattoo Company, David's very best friend and the original tattoos for trauma artist. Um, we've got Natalie Dietz from Natalie Inc. We've got Elise Glover from Elise Tattoos, Mike Patterson from Mike Patterson tattooing, along with his, uh, he is a junior artist, Emma Pula Wilson, Michelle Payne, and Oralee George from OG Art. Going forward, what's the timeline? What should we keep our eye on if, if people are listening and, and are interested in this? Sue? Well, July 15th, we open bookings and I'm telling you, it, the sell, it happens fast. Last year, we had to turn a lot of people away. We've added artists, we've added spots, but it does not change that when they're gone, they're gone. And, and there's no, no way for us to change that. So July 15th, if you want a tattoo, we will literally book the appointments based on um, who arrives first in queue. And and I imagine they're going to go very quickly. So please keep keep July 15th on your calendar. The other date that matters is obviously September 9th, which would be my son's 32nd birthday and is the day of our event this year. Um, we're going to be at the Lions Center and there will be lots to see on social media, lots of information coming out about who's going to be there, what's going to be happening. Teresa, I'll let you speak more to that. 
Yeah, right now we, like I said, thank you, Sue. So the dates to remember tattoo bookings open July 15th and to reiterate the event tattoos for trauma 2023 Saturday, September the 9th at the Coburg Lions Community Center on Elgin Street from 10am to 5pm. There will be uh, live music. Uh, all kinds of resources, temporary tattoos, tattooing happening all day in the same space. So when people come to this event, you're right in the thick of it. So we've got the music happening, tattooing is being done. It's really cool. Um, last year, the I think we had someone in their 80s get tattooed last year. 87 um, was 87. tattoo. Yeah. And in, the youngest person who can be tattooed is 16. And uh, anyone between the ages of 16 and 18 must have parental consent. Um, parent on site. <laughs> parent on site, yeah. And uh, it just really is a, such a lovely event. So September 9th is the day and put it in your calendar. You don't wanna miss it. Lou Glover, Teresa Rickerby, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob, take care. That was Sue Glover and Teresa Rickerby co-founders of Tattoos for Trauma. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.